He is a star, bright and blazing and, and no, scratch that. That wasn't what he was. A meteor. Yeah, that's it. He's a fucking meteor. Emphasis on the fucking. Hurtling, heedless, towards outer reaches of the grand unknown. Doomed to burn away to nothing but gas wisps and space-tossed pebbles. But so what? If you gotta go, go while leaving a scar right across the stupid sky's face. A meteor. Yeah, that's it. A meteor, he moans. The girl on top of him moans something back. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what she said or who she is. He doesn't know the answer to either. What matters is him, this, the feel of her. Dad won't like it. That makes it even better. Just like he makes every high climb higher and every wasted cent count double. When he finally busts with this girl, he'll pay twice what she's owed and take her to dinner at Dad's favorite restaurant. If he's there, perfect. If not, then it'll take a little while, maybe an hour, maybe into dessert, for Dad to show up red in the face and ready to blow. The waiting would only make it sweeter. The girl is really putting on a show, trying to earn that money by making him feel special. He knows he's special. He's always been special. Maybe he ran from that for a while. Childhood <laughs> experiments and misunderstandings. That bitch of a mother tried to get him to indulge. Maybe Maybe even believe some of them some of the time. But that, that wasn't him. That, that he wasn't him. That he was actually her. That he was supposed to be a girl. The girl he saw so clearly when he shut his eyes. The girl with a name he didn't dare say out loud because it would be like hearing from a stranger, only he wasn't sure who was the stranger and who was already at home. Look, it, it didn't matter. Mommy Dearest was long gone and good riddance, and he had settled nicely as dear old dad's heir. And he did not regret it. Did not regret giving in to what and who dad wanted him to be. Giving up, someone might say, but not him, Never him, fuck that, and fuck you for suggesting it. He didn't have time for regret. Being heir to living beneath the constant deluge of so much, of so much. Other people had to bother with telling one day from the next, or day from night, all that nonsense. He wasn't other people. He was a fucking meteor, delighted with his pace towards oblivion groaned. So close, so close, almost to the moments when the world went blank and all the hammering in his head went silent and he was only, finally, adrift, alone, like a shooting star. That was him. That 
was. Why couldn't he think of his own name? He stopped mid-thrust, already going soft as the hammering increased to a pounding. She was asking him what was wrong. He was saying he didn't know. His hands on sheets on a bed in a room in an apartment in a building in a city and all was his and all was as it should be, save for this giant slice missing from his mind. But the more that slice remained unseen, the more all his other hold points and certainties revealed themselves as flimsy. How could he not know his own name? He asked her to tell him. She laughed, opened her mouth to answer, froze when the answer didn't arrive. He ran from the bed, still naked, and grabbed his wallet from the discarded pants flipped it open, retrieved his license. Where his name should be, there was just a smudge of ink, not even resembling letters. Same with his credit cards. Manic now, steaming, he ripped his cell phone from the other pocket and called his dad. The old man's face appeared. His trademark disapproval deepened. What are you, what are you doing? The video had just room enough for his father to see the naked girl scurrying by. Dad, what's my name? Oh, Jesus, his father sighed. Am I really sending you back to the clinic? I don't have time for Dad, he cried. Dad, what is my name? He watched his father roll his eyes and open his mouth to spit out the answer and he watched his father stop, his mouth hang open. Why can't I think of your name? He said. He dropped the sheets on the bed in the room in the apartment in a building in a city that was all his and that he no longer found he could believe in. Why can't I think of your name? His father said again. Because it isn't my name, he said because it is a dead thing and I gave it away a long time ago so it can never be used against me. With trembling hand, he picked up his phone. The man McRae stared back, all his scars seeping back into place. You're a dead thing too, Dad. You were murdered in your prison cell and I still know how I feel about that. But I can't stay here with all you dead things. He put the phone aside. Naked, he stood. He gripped his skin and began to pull. The fake flesh gave way easily, though some meat clung and refused to be parted. The more false flesh went splat on the white carpet floor, the more the floor and all the rest of the room, the apartment, the building, the city, became less and less solid, vague, thinner, a reflection of a copy of a memory. When the last of the wrong skin was discarded, Cassandra noticed drew a long, slow breath. That done, she opened her eyes to once again behold the view from the cliff at the end of the world, beneath the two black suns.
There was another woman there at the top of the cliff. That, Cassandra now remembered, was why she climbed the rock in the first place. There'd been a person-shaped speck visible from the base of the cliff, and Cassandra noticed did not allow specks to escape her attention, particularly the person-shaped ones. She was not a person, this other woman. That much was clear. She was made up all of dust and wind, and the sound of the wind as it ran across forsaken stones, and of black moss that coiled and pulsed even as Cassandra watched. She was old, older than anything, but Cassandra's clearing mind now recalled that when she had reached this woman in shape, she asked it who it was. And her answer had been, I am the daughter. The daughter was not interested in answering other questions related to her nature or parentage. Now, at the top of the cliff at the end of the world, she tilted her head in confusion as she regarded Cassandra. Why do you refuse happiness offered to you without cost or condition? She asked. Her voice did not come from within her mouth, which did not move when she spoke, as it was only a line drawn in some dust. That wasn't happiness, Cassandra said. That could never be my life, ever. Another memory, recently covered, revealed itself. You asked me why I came here, she said. And I said to kill a death god. And you, and you, you said there was no point. The person who was not a person nodded the head that was not really a head. You seek to change the world. This world has no need of being changed. If we don't make changes soon, then this world is going to end. The daughter shrugged. So choose a different one. There's a world where you won and a world where you failed. There's a world where you never faced any of this and many a world in which you were never born. Choose the one you desire and let that be reality. Cassandra shook her head. It's not that simple. The daughter laughed, bits of herself disappearing into a cloud as they dislodged. Sure it is, she said, once she calmed. Look! And Cassandra was falling. Back. Aware of the black soil rushing up to her, past her, over her. Aware of the fall. Then of the surprise softness waiting to catch her and hold her safe. Cassandra sat bolt upright. Last vestiges of the nightmare flashing, refusing to be dismissed or forgotten. She wiped sweat from her forehead and tried to sort the jumble of monsters into something like order, despite their numerous sizes and shapes and despite the speed with which they and the whole of the dark city and the gray slate sky were beginning to fade. By noon, all such foolishness would be gone from her mind, as if they had never been. You okay? asked the voice from beside her in bed. A moment, one, of disorientation. Just a dream, Cassandra said, not believing it fully even as she said it. Priya Patel sat up in bed beside her. If your brain's trying to tell you something, you ought to listen, she said. Cassandra's brain 
told her about a dead city with a black sun and a gray slate sky, about a world of horrors that never ended, either the world or the horrors, take your pick. Her brain tried to tell her that this woman beside her was long dead, burned in fire set to kindling by Cassandra's own father. I think my brain just needs to shut the hell up, Cassandra said with a laugh. In the next moment, her mouth found Priya's mouth, her hands found Priya's flesh, and all was skin on skin. The only fire to be found was in the thirst for each other, for more, more. The dream passed and was forgotten. When their coupling was finished, they remained entwined. On Cassandra's lips, a perfect smile that no nightmare dared disturb. came after that? Everything. Nothing. Everything. Priya made eggs that were a bit too runny. Cassandra looked at her phone while Priya was trying to have a serious conversation with her. They fought sometimes. About small things. About big things. About small things that served as stand-ins for the big things. Then they make love and have a hard time remembering what it was they fought over. There were good days. There were bad days. There were days. There was a day Cassandra's father died, heart attack, and they had the funeral. Days when relief and grief and liberation and terror raised for place at the forefront of Cassandra's mind. He left her nothing on account of spite and on account of being a hateful old fuck, and that was fine by Cassandra. It would have ruined everything, money. That's what money did. There were still bad dreams every so often. A lingering feeling of something unfinished. Do you think it's your mind trying to tell you something about your dad, maybe? Priya suggested. Maybe that you think you're okay, but you're not? But I am doing okay, Cassandra insisted. Well, then I don't know what to do with you, Priya laughed. But her concern was very real and very clear. She kept being concerned. Cassandra kept saying she was fine. On and on while the days rolled by. Good days. Bad days. Days. Weeks. Months. Years. Until they walked a little slower when they tore the city lights. Bright for Christmas. Until they laughed a little softer squinted at the printed words in their books and had to admit defeat and accept large fonts. Until they finally stopped counting individual gray hairs and had to accept that the territory had been surrendered. Until. Until Cassandra fell, going up the stairs one miserable winter day. She felt the snap even before the wall caught her with a brutal solidity. 
She lay in the stairwell for hours before someone found her and called 911. Hours, soaking in cold even as her broken body flooded in all the wrong places. She woke up in a hospital, one she knew very well from many dreams. Priya was at her side, red-eyed and miserable. Baby, she whisper-wept. Baby, baby, baby. Everyone tiptoed around Cassandra, choosing their words very carefully to obfuscate their full meaning. She understood anyway. She continued to hold Priya's hand, saving the ashy texture against her thumb. When the last nurse had filled out the last line on the last piece of paperwork, they were finally left alone. So, Cassandra said, this is it for me. Don't say things like that, Priya objected. We don't know. The doctor said there's cases where... She looked at the bedside lamp, but the lamp had no answers for her. Cassie, I can't lose you. You're not losing me, baby. I'm just going away for a little while. You're getting religious on me all of a sudden? Priya said as she wiped her eyes. I have always been religious. I know there's plenty of gods out there. More than anyone can count. But what I mean is, I did lose you. A long time ago. Somewhere far away. I lost you, and then I found you, and I stole the time you should have been allowed to share in the first place. And now I have to go. Bruce say I won't find you again, or you me. I guess that's true love. It just won't quit. Priya smiled despite herself. Honey, you know I have no idea what you're talking about, right? Sure, Cassandra replied. And that's all right. What matters is, I love you. I have always loved you. And I will always love you. In every world, in every way, no matter who I am, there's only you. Always only you. Priya Patel took Cassandra's hand. It felt thin and cold, as if she was already retreating deeper away. But Priya still felt that thumb rubbing against that deposit of ash. I will find you wherever you go, she whispered. Even if all there is is dark, I will find you. They pressed their foreheads close and shut their eyes. Hand found hand and held tight. There they remained. Until. Cassandra sighed and let go. She opened her eyes and beheld again 
the cliff at the end of the world. The person who was not quite a person was pacing with all too human rage. What are you doing? The daughter roared. That was perfect. You're supposed to accept your reality, live that life, and die. What went wrong? Wasn't that perfect? Sure it was. Then, when did you realize it wasn't your original reality? Oh, I knew pretty much the entire time, Cassandra said as she sat up and brushed dirt away. But I was just so glad to see Priya again, I figured I'd stick around until right before the jig was up, so to speak. The dust that made up the daughter solidified into stone. Her winds were a hurricane, and her black vines seethed like furious serpents. You tricked me, she said. You stole a lifetime you never intended to keep. And I would steal a hundred more, Cassandra said. If I survive what's next, I might do just that. I said I'd always find her, and I will always find her. Even if all there is is dark, I will find her. But you found her, the daughter raged. Why not stay with her? Cassandra's already moving to the cliff edge, readying herself for the climb down. Because Priya, my Priya, told me once that she was always with me. She said she would see me walk beneath the gold sun again, and only then no peace. Only then. So, I can't die here. No matter how appealing that dream you'd like me to die in is. She began to climb down. I don't understand, the daughter wailed. But Cassandra did not answer. Carefully, oh so carefully, she picked her way down towards the plain. The work needed finishing. The gold sun awaited. Only two episodes remain of Black Sun Dispatches. Stay tuned in December and January for the final two episodes of this series. I hope you enjoyed the series to this point, and I hope you enjoy the finale. Thanks, and have a good one.